They say that when you get dealt a bad hand, it's time to cash in your chips. But the stakes just got raised. Mando's going all in. Oh, Bill Burns in this one! Spoilers ahead. Welcome everybody to another episode of Hoth Topics, a podcast about Star Wars. I'm a marshal for the New Republic, Ian. Joining me is someone who is being kept in a prison to un... You got this. Do Keep TIE going. Fighters you got it. salvage them? Salvage them. Saved it. You, you, <laughs> Ian, you, you salvaged that intro? I Why did Bill not. Burr salvages TIE Fighters. John is the one with the TIE Fighters and the salvaging and the whatnot. <laughs> also well, joining us is someone with a super cool ship taking us off the salvage planet. Mike! That's me. Coming That's at you with the straight facts. How there are you guys go. doing? Good. Uh, pretty good. Really, really okay. Really okay is better than bad, so I will take it. <laughs> gentlemen, plus good. Extremely satisfactory. <laughs> <laughs> so, gentlemen, we are here to talk about the penultimate episode of Season 2 of The Mandalorian, The Believer. So, lots of stuff going on in this episode. It uh, We mentioned during our last discussion that... Uh, the the previous episode really kind of set up the end game for the story arc of this season as a whole. Uh, and then we kind of did another pit stop, as we do, for uh, that we kind of were doing through the majority of the season. Mm-hmm. But it was still quite an enjoyable ride. Yeah, so in, the, in this episode, uh, there's one final task that the... Uh, Mandalorian and his new friends need to complete before getting to go to the rescue. Uh, And that is uh, they need to find out where they're going. And in order to do this, they need to get into some Imperial codes. And in order to do that, they need someone to break into said system. Who is Imperial. Imperial. Therefore, they recruit uh, Migs Mayfield, who you might remember as played by Bill Burr in the previous season as the Imperial sharpshooter turned gang member, I guess. I wasn't really sure. Criminal. Criminal, something or other. Who got put in jail because Mando basically locked him in a self-driving prison ship. (laughs) Pretty cool. Uh, But we got to see a development of his character and we got to do a fun little heist to get the information that involved uh, cool car chases and costume changes and espionage and things blowing up so the action was was still strong here the there were definitely parts of the story that were very intriguing uh, especially on uh in terms of Migs Mayfield who really got his own little side character arc throughout this episode and then we also got the resolution of getting the coordinates and ready to go into the final episode so thoughts on the episode the believer let's start with you john <gasps> This this was a fun heist episode, and I hope that in the next seasons they keep bringing Bill Burr back to break into or steal more vehicles. <laughs> I feel like that's what he's going to be typecast as. Just an intergalactic carjacker. Yeah, <laughs> which, is, which is always fun. <laughs> this is one of those only works in Star Wars TV things where there's only one MacGuffin they need to get, and it's located on one MacGuffin world, and they need one MacGuffin way to get in. And it's totally fine because it's Star Wars, and sometimes you just don't have to take it super seriously. Sometimes it can just be a comic book episode. Yeah. I really felt like this one was like... 
This felt like something that I could have picked up off of the shelf at my local comic book store. Just read a random adventure of, of The Mandalorian, the, even though it had um, much wider implications, I guess, because they had to go had to go find an ATM to figure out where the uh, the ship was, where Mom Gideon's ship is. Had to go find an ATM. I'm still not 100% sure <laughs> what this terminal did. Uh yeah, so like the, I feel like the a, way they explained it, it's the ultimate empire's database. Yeah, it's, it's got every piece of empire <laughs> knowledge ever. It's just like a random data hub, I guess, that connects to wider imperial databases. But, but I, I feel like the Republic database would be like, yeah, we've been getting some bounces off of a imperial cruiser, and have like a better idea of like where this thing would be seen instead of infiltrating. Well, I mean, I, I guess, like, the implication is, like, maybe the ship's getting fuel from this depot or people or something, but that's never, like, expressed. Yeah. And also, it doesn't necessarily, like, make sense how it works because it's like, okay, we need the codes to get in that Mayfail provided, which is cool, but also it needs to scan your face in order to access it, but it doesn't, your face doesn't necessarily need to be in the database in order for it to it just, it just needs to be just checking that it's not flagged like yeah. you know, all those other people would have been it's like it's like checking it's like the checking i'm not a robot box on on your you know i wouldn't be surprised oh. if he's sitting here just going like click all the images that don't have jawas in them uh, <laughs> he knows those he shot them but to your point, John, it's this is definitely an episode where you can just kind of turn your brain off and just be like, ah, it's yeah, Star Wars. Wars. Yeah, we, it we, make sense. after the last episode of, of such such tragic tragedies happening, uh, you see what I did there? Um, it was quite we, tragic. It was very much so. Both both things. Um, <laughs> yeah, I felt like this was a good good idea to kind of put in a action heavy event i guess and yeah like yeah I, I i i see what you're trying to go for there what what's what that called when you like have something to eat a palate cleanser there you go <laughs> a big mac uh, <laughs> I, uh... <laughs> that's what we're calling it now calling it a big mac yeah so the big mac episode yeah. and i i did enjoy the return of a wheeled vehicle in star wars i don't think we've seen one in live action since one the juggernaut mm. uh, that uh, I don't think that's a juggernaut. It um, is. Well, the no, ju- the Rogue One. Oh. Yeah, used used to be a big Clone Republic tank, and then they turned it into like a prison transport. Yeah, I think it was also called the juggernaut. Well, they look I know very these, similar. Those, like, those things are huge, though. Yeah, the the wagons that we saw in this one are m- much much smaller. But I, I just always enjoy seeing like they're still using like old world technology. Yeah, the idea that Star Wars isn't a high advanced, that's not a word, or it's not a genre, but like a super advanced uh, sci-fi thing. It's like that retro 70s tech that, that makes it so unique to itself. Right. There are like um, five things that are like super futuristic and everything else is just like... Low res visual communication systems and... Right. It's like we figured out how to talk in space, but it also sounds like it's being transmitted over a wire, like right. from you know the 1940s. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. I got some other random things I can go into a little bit later. Mike, passing it to Mike. Oh hi, that's me. This episode, Mike. 
How'd you feel about it? This episode was a good time. Um, again, a little bit. It felt much like the middle episodes in season one, where it did kind of feel like that filler episode. Not to like take away some of that um, significance of like obviously they're getting the the location of where we're going to be finishing out the season. But much like Bill Burr's last episode, it did feel like, oh, we're just going to have a fun little adventure with Bill Burr. And there's nothing wrong with having a fun little adventure with Bill Burr. (laughs) Just like John stated when we were watching it again, is that I feel like Bill Burr wasn't given a script. He was just told to start riffing on the other people (laughs) that were around him. And it felt really just natural the the dialogue in this one and then we got to the point where we were already moving on to um after they they parked the juggernaut they got it through the whole way and we're faced with this imperial officer who's you know going over it and and bill burr's character you you start to see the imperfections of the character and the person where he can't um, kind of let go of his past and what's happened. And he's faced with this guy that has completely like basically ruined a portion of his life and he has to take it out on him um, instead of, you know, move on with the mission or move on with whatever they're doing. They could have easily gotten out of that situation without having to shoot six people in that room uh, but it didn't happen that way and they still got out somehow doesn't really make sense uh there were like 50 other people in that other room magic um but they apparently weren't caring until they were escaping out of a window um <laughs> so i mean i don't question star wars all that often i still don't um it's completely fine they got out of that without getting shot at all um great um other than that it was just I thought I kind of liked the I liked the difference of styles and like a visualization standpoint of when we're driving in in that juggernaut where you one are rooting for the empire because you get to the end and they're blowing up these pirate guys um, with TIE fighters. And it's like, oh, yeah, we did it. We, we won. And, oh, wait, those are actually the bad guys most of the time. <laughs> unless you're John. Um, <laughs> but the other thing is you got to see, like, the, the pirates weren't in it for... They weren't pirates. Um, they weren't trying to collect the things and then sell the things that they were trying to steal. They were trying to blow it up. like. And then you see, as they're driving in, you see the this little community of people. It's not just the Republic and the Empire or like people striving to affect either one of those sides. It's It doesn't always have to be about that. There are these communities that... You know, they're just living and they're just trying to get by. And then these are these are these like, quote unquote, maybe terrorists that are trying to blow up these things. Maybe it's because they just want the empire to not be on their land. Maybe it's that they just are terrorists and like to blow things up. Who knows? Right. I don't know. But it's a it's a different point of view that I really appreciate whenever we get a chance to see it. And it's it's honestly not all that often that we do. Like, I, I think Mandalorian is has done a really good job of distancing itself kind of from the Republican Empire and kind of giving us its own little story. But I think this 
group of scenes in particular is doing a really good job at that because we're putting faces on people as we're driving by them. We're not just like driving by them really quick and then just showing the the background of a community. We're putting faces on normal people that are affected by what the Empire and the Republic are doing. And um, I think that has a lot of impact. And I think that was really cool. That was my favorite part of of the episode obviously like the comedy was great the dialogue was great but uh, i just loved those little moments in the middle of that episode that really punctuated that it's not always just about the the big picture um so i thought i thought this episode did a great job at that yeah and not only did that you know that particular uh, view make it through we also had bill burr talking about everywhere somewhere somebody's being ruled by somebody pointing out the differences and while the overall narrative of star wars is going to always be hey there's two imperfect ways to rule the galaxy but one is probably a little worse than the other it, it's good to build a more realistic empathy for all the different groups involved including the the bad guys you know the empire and the down-to-earth communities that are just caught up in the, the mix. And yeah, I agree with you. I think the Mandalorian series as a whole has done a really good job of bringing that into focus. Mm. You know, we got the krill farmers in season one who are just trying to brew their weird krill beer and then being assaulted by pirates living in the woods. And then you have this episode... So it's it's done a good job of bringing those things into focus. And also, you know, we have seen some sort of humanity in some of the Imperial Remnant where we, we see these kind of like hardcore Imperials who are very clearly bad. And then we also see in, in prior episodes, there's like, hey, maybe we should give up and not be doing this. And then them getting shot in their pilot seats by the, uh, you know, by the commander from the a couple episodes ago so they've done a really good job of making a story that started off very black and white more nuanced and that is a necessary involvement uh, evolution for a series that has gotten so big and popular as star wars has and uh interesting thing about the officer and the event that bill burr was a part of he mentions operation cinder which was the key plot point in the Battlefront 2 game where the Emperor dies and his contingency plan was to use extreme weather generating devices to cause natural disasters on planets to instill fear. Cool. Because that's a great Very idea. Cool. Yeah. <laughs> but Mayfield's talking about, hey, we lost like five, ten thousand troops because you didn't pull them out before starting the death machine. You can see kind of where that was his wake-up call. Oh, oh, this isn't this isn't good. Like, they don't care about us. So that was a cool little thing. Like, I, what I, I appreciate that you got the same feeling out of it, Mike, without having that knowledge. Right. Because, you know, when you know what Operation Cinder is, you're just kind of like, yeah. uh, but it's a testament to the writing that they can drop the Easter egg, but still have it be meaningful for 
um, new audience members. Right. And that's really how it should go. John. Hi. Anything else you want to add? Uh, I want to, well, because we're at the 20-minute mark, and that's not nearly as long enough for an episode. Oh, yeah, yeah um, of course. I'd like to actually kind of go back to something Mike was saying about how, uh, about the, the pirates that attacked the transport that Mayfield and Mando took over. When you're watching the episode, you're rooting for Mando and Bilber. They're, they're our heroes of the episode, and they're being attacked by this external force that clearly wants to destroy them. And you're fine with it. You're just like, oh, that's just it's the episode. That's the the villain of this particular part of the thing. But if you think about it, like who they're attacking, these are the probably the uh, like like Mike said, the local inhabitants just trying to send a message to the Empire. It's it's very similar to things we have seen in other Star Wars media with Saw Gerrera's rebels on Onderon and a little bit in Rogue One, even though by that time he's gone crazy. Um, <laughs> the, I mean, the entire cast of Star Wars Rebels, they started off as a unaffiliated group of resistance fighters on Lothal before joining the, the Rebel Alliance fully in later seasons. And like those were the guys we were rooting for in those series. And it's just interesting that they're, the, the writing team was able to kind of flip that around on us. Kind of like, oh, these guys are pirates. These guys are terrorists. These guys are, they're just bent on destroying and like really we should be rooting for them i mean i wouldn't clearly like, right they're, because they're, you're they're you're obviously a, terrorists you're an imperialist uh, right. fanboy correct so I, I just thought that was really interesting that like how how easy it is for an audience to kind of like turn on i guess the values that star wars has been setting up for for years and different series regardless if that was their intention or if they just needed to have a uh to increase the threat of that particular plot. Sure. Um, it's just kind of an interesting dynamic that they added uh, to the particular story that if you think about it a little bit longer than most people would or do what Star Wars fans do and have to make everything make sense constantly, uh, even though it is taken in space. Well, you see, John, if a Star Wars fan uh, at a certain level does not make things make sense constantly, mm. their core temperature rises, right. and then they explode. Mm, but that's not so, good. Right. So that's why I have to do that and uh, I, in I, order to keep my core temperature down and not explode. Right. That's That makes sense. Mm-hmm. And what's with, um, what's with people handling like these volatile materials without... A good way to suspend them i think that goes back to your point about the sort of like the tech level of star wars mm, where they don't have railings and they don't care about safety right where where they're just <laughs> they're just kind of like hey we figured out how to use this volatile fuel system in our in our spaceships that's enough but we also don't have the tech level to you know transport it adequately without some sort of yeah, you know what I take that back. Uh, we as humans on uh, our planet Earth, or Terra, as some people call it. No one calls it stat and sci-fi. Um, all of our vehicles, for the most part, are powered by petroleum. And the way we transport that is by putting it in metal barrels. Yeah. And that's it. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just... This and is then, what we do. And then when we're we, humans, we're dumb. And then when I we mean, put the when we put the, the the petroleum in the vehicles, it is powered by explosions. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, 
Uh, I get it. <laughs> um, it's interesting that you point uh, you 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 mentioned Saw Gerrera because there's another character that really brings to light that uh, that extreme uh, taking the extremes out of certain things and 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 making things more nuanced because that's a character that started off as you know a freedom fighter that we'd be rooting for and then ended up being like so uh toxic and volatile uh that the rebel alliance cut ties with him uh just being like yeah you're 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 your methods are too nuts so seeing that we can we can uh, sympathize uh, and empathize with, you know, uh, Imperials, and that we can tell where the the limits are for uh, Rebel factions and Republic factions. Really brings that whole uh, that nuance to the forefront, and brings us back to the core message, which is like, hey, we're all human, and we're trying to be our best. Like, hell, half the Republic forces are made up of ex-imperials who were like uh yeah something went too far and i i see now so that's a that's a pretty key star wars trope ah mike anything else to to tap on for this episode no okay john oh yeah something something huge happens that we've all just not talked about Uh uh-huh tell Uh, me about it so so we know uh from from mando's Colt, Coven, what's Co- Covert. Thank you. I'm going to go with Coven, though. And just pretend he's, he's called a witch. Coven Covert. From his CCC. His, that, his, his particular group's creed is you can't take off your helmet or reveal your face to anybody. And in this episode, he does it, well, he removes his helmet twice, but re- reveals himself to a lot of people. So they, they, get, they get to the refinery, they find the ATM they need, can't get yeah, over you Bill, in an ATM. Bill Burr can't go into the room that it's in, which is an appears to be an officer's mess because his former command or a former commanding officer was in there, and he has issues with things that he did, as mm-hmm. previously mentioned. So Mando goes in there, tries to use the ATM with his helmet on. It does not work. Indirect so he pin. has to remove his helmet, and at this point, we realize that Pedro Pascal is in fact the Mandalorian. Wow! Crazy. I mean, we've seen his. <laughs> yeah, face we've seen before. his face before. I forgot. Yeah. It, was, <laughs> it, was, it, it was a it was a dead robot. That's um, yeah. um dead robot. but not only does he remove his helmet to get the scan, like showing how how just important it is to find Baby Yoda is for him. Keep on calling him old Grogu, but that's that's regular <laughs> that's Yoda. Yoda. <laughs> uh, <laughs> And so, like, not only does he take off the mask, but is approached by that officer and has to face him without his helmet on. And as you can see, like, he completely freezes. And I don't know if that's a result of him, like, not knowing what to do now that his face is uncovered. Or if that's a result of him, like, that's what he would be doing with the helmet on. Just, like, just he doesn't, staring. <laughs> yeah, he, he hasn't removed the helmet since you know, for however long, he probably doesn't emote with his face anymore. Um, <laughs> he doesn't need to. Yeah, exactly. Um, he does it with his head ticks and whatnot. And it's at that point that Bilber comes in and rescues him and confronts the um, the officer who doesn't recognize him at all, which is good for him and, right. and bad for him. But just, just seeing Din Djarin sitting there, like, motionless, 
while Bill Burr is trying to cover, like, oh, he doesn't, you're going to have to speak up because uh, he lost his hearing. Oh, he doesn't have a name. We just call him Old Brown Eyes. <laughs> like, every time he's about to talk, Bill Burr, like, cuts in yeah. with a with a witty retort. Right. I think Mando gets away with it because the Korean bus has anyone living seen your face. And he they murder a whole, whole bunch of people in that room that saw his face. With the exception of Bill Burr, who, according to New Republic Records, will He's be listed dead. as killed in a refinery explosion. Yeah, that was really cool. Like, he, he earned his freedom by screwing up the mission, but did so for a very anti-imperial reason. Yeah. So, they're yeah, like... Bill, good enough. Bill Burr escaping uh, on the uh, Slave One's um, cargo door or whatever... And like, hey, hand me that, hand me that cycler rifle. I'm gonna blow up this whole plant. Yeah. Which I mean, as someone that plays a gunslinger in D and D, that's a quality critical hit right there. Yeah. Yeah. That's that's uh, that is some John character BS. It's, uh, one vial of coaxium blowing up in a half a planet sort of explosion. Yeah. Uh, reminds me of the time where you you hucked a vial of holy water at a vampire and then <laughs> shot it and blew it up. Well, as a reminder, my character came, believes that his country is ruled by vampires, which in, we know as players uh, is real. Right. And I have, all this, I have all this holy water. I don't know what to do with it. <laughs> I'm going to throw it into the air and try to shoot the vampire who's trying to fly away. And it worked. And it was awesome and, and uh, took out a whole bunch of his underlings yeah. with that. What are we talking? We're talking about Star Wars. We're talking about Star Wars. Uh, Bill Burr escapes. So we have a really cool uh, callback line uh, at the very end of the episode. Mando now knowing where the ship is and able to send a transmission to it, basically repeats Moff Gideon's initial monologue back to him with his whole, you know, you may think you have an idea of what you're in possession of, but you do not. He will mean he means more to me than you will ever comprehend, sort of thing. I did not catch that. Oh yeah, yeah, it was basically the same words. I did not realize that, but I have memory problems. <laughs> he he just repeated, yeah, he repeated the same line uh, back to him, and you can just see Gideon's face just like slowly morphing into a. I may have created a problem here. Yeah, he went from. <laughs> The smugness that he almost always has to, oh, actually, uh, this is a problem. Yeah, yeah. I've um, actually. There's also uh, a great line in the beginning from uh, from Mayfield where uh, he <laughs> he sees Boba Fett now in his repainted armor, uh, and he's like, "Oh, I thought you were somebody else. I thought you were another Mando." And, and then, then Mando, then Mando up. shows up. Did did did. Mando have the Beskar armor when they attacked the prison ship? Did Mando have the Beskar armor when yeah. they attacked the prison ship? He got, uh, it, he got it early in the first three episodes. Yeah, I think so. That I, was just a thought that crossed my mind. Like, like, oh, he might not actually recognize Jan if... Yeah, no, he, he had the Beskar yeah. at that point. Well then. Well then. Hmm. 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 Quite. I guess we'll see. <laughs> so last last thoughts. Let's see. Mando. I did like when Bill Burr like questioned Mando's like 
rule set. Right. It's like, what's what's the rule? Do you, am I not allowed to see your ma- face at all? Do you not? Are you not allowed to take off your mask? Like, I, or can you just do whatever you want when when it gets bad? Like, what's what's the, your deal? Yeah. And you, we get no answer to this question. And that's that's a great point for like the larger star wars universe in general because there's always a story where somebody's going like yeah the jedi code says this but i'm gonna do this or like yeah my orders were to do this but i'm gonna do this and well the jedi the jedis are liars <laughs> john the, the greatest jedi said that save it for another episode john <laughs> Anakin saw through the lies of the Jedi. Oh, yeah. my God. He, was, he brought balance to the Force. He's about to see my foot. Good luck. There's a lot of table between us. <laughs> uh, real, real quick, I'd like, I want to touch back on um, uh, on, uh, on on Jen's, Den's rules real quick. Or his, his, his coven, as uh, I will be calling him this episode. Their rules. Um, since the show started... We've come across two other groups, or two other, I guess, groups of people that wear Mandalorian armor mm-hmm. that aren't from his his group, his uh, underground cell. You know, they're a little too underground. You know what I'm saying? Um, so it's a four C's now. So it's a, a a coven, covert cell. What's the other one? Underground. Cr- indie crew. His indie group. Crew. <laughs> um, <laughs> Cult. So we see we when when he meets Bo-Katan and they they just take off their helmets and they are arguably more Mandalorian than any of the Mandalorians he's met besides maybe the armor we don't really know what her background is and they take off their helmets like whatever this is just what we do of course they also don't really follow their own rules like the dark saber can't be given to you even though the dark saber was clearly given to her by someone else in in uh in the clone wars we'll get into that <laughs> um, <laughs> and then he's met boba fett who he doesn't call himself a mandalorian but his he refers to his dad as one basically right um even though that's even debated in the clone wars yeah but i guess it's the winner the, the victor writes the history sort of thing mm-hmm so I think we're seeing a lot of stuff within, within uh, Dan, Jen, I can't, I can't pronounce his name, Dan Jaren, not mm-hmm. Jen Darren. It's, that's the opposite. Uh, we see, I think we're seeing a lot of conflict in Den, like, who's, whose code do I follow now? Which I think has allowed, allowed him to take off that mask. Yeah. I think that if, if he hadn't met Bo-Katan, if he hadn't met Boba Fett, I think he would still be a very stubborn orthodox mando right yeah <laughs> western reaches orthodox um <laughs> the uh interesting to see where he get, takes that if at some point he abandons that creed or if he holds on to that creed as his particular denomando nation nation did not demand a nation trying to put i'm trying to put mando in denomination it's not working and i added an l the first time Dem- denominational demand De- demandables Demo- De- Demandables. Demandables. <laughs> that sounds like their code. Yeah, demandables. demandables. It also sounds like a delicious kid snack. Yeah. Mm. Well, no, that's Danimals. And that's a that's, yogurt. Yeah. Goat. Goat. Deli- goat. It's a tr- goat. Try delicious, delicious goat. frozen demandables. <laughs> Made with real bug. Um, <laughs> well, I think what the series has really been setting up for is sort of like a 
unification of these various Mando like the dark saber crews and, and groups but not not just in in terms of that and we'll get into that because it has some some something to do with the next episode but just in terms of like seeing the intersection of all these different Mandalorian cultures which in in all of the previous media have really fractured and regrouped and fractured to the point of Mandalorian civil war happening and and uh there being this huge culture split so i think the story that they're really setting up for and exploring through din is a reunification of of mandalorians as one people or one group that that reminds me of one one other thing that bill burr said in this and i think it's the second time second or third time that it is mentioned that mandalore is gone like as a planet right uh, we still don't have any context of what that means. Like, if it's uninhabitable, like it basically was in the Clone Wars, where they basically glassed their own planet, or if it's gone in the sense of Alderaan. Because well, that's the example he uses it it's with. Not, it's not gone in that sense, because we know from the episodes with Bo-Katan that they want to retake Mandalore. So something is still there. We don't know if it's, like, inhabitable, which... It, it it's also interesting there because in uh, Galaxy Quest, uh, Lost Starfighter. No, uh, stop saying non-Star Wars things. You're polluting my brain. Pixar's soul. Pocahontas. Uh, okay, now we're not even in sci-fi anymore. The Vampire uh, Diaries. <laughs> the Princess Diaries. Oh. Uh, the Journal. The notebook. Well, I was going to say in the in the Old Republic storylines, um, the Mandalorian War came to an end with a super weapon being triggered on a planet. I'm trying to remember the name of the planet. Jeff. It's not Jeff, but they used something called the Mass Shadow Generator. So it seems like lots of wars with Mandalorians seem to end with... I believe that planet- that's a device from G.I. Joe or the show Mass. And I'm I'm telling you, it's called the Mass Shadow Generator. It essentially created a gravity well that slammed all the ships into the planet. But yeah, it seems like uh, lots of wars with Mandalorians only end with the, the super planet. weapon being deployed. <laughs> so yeah, and I would not be surprised if that is what happened to Mandalore. But I'm looking forward to exploring that more. So um, yeah, I think that does it for this episode. Uh, come back for the finale episode of. Uh, season two of The Mandalorian. Long overdue, but looking forward to getting back together with you guys and talking about that final episode. Uh, and again, getting prepared for more Star Wars content coming up in the future. Yeah. Uh, if you want to know more about us, you can visit our website, hothtopicspodcast.com. If you have a suggestion, a question, or a comment, you can always tweet at us on the Twitters at HothPod or send us an email at hothpod at gmail.com. I've been Ian. I miss former WWE tag team, women's tag team champions, the Iconics. That's John making us sad. Mike's here as well. Thank you, everybody. We will see you next time. Yeah, don't be mad. I never get recorded.